Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heaven is going to be wonderful. I can't wait. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm in no rush to go today, so don't help him out. But Wednesday night, as I was, we're preaching through Revelation, we were talking about heaven and what was going on there. Every tribe and every nation and every tongue. As I was praying and thinking, preparing that message, I kept thinking, what kind of fellowship we're going to have around the throne of heaven? The Bible was describing the praise and the worship of every tribe and every nation. And I could see people that I've worshipped with and preached for many times in Africa as they bowed and danced before the Lord back and forth. I could see that before the throne of God. I could see my Hispanic friends in Central and South America as they jump and wave their hands and holler and lay prostrate before the Lord and how, wow, that's going to be wonderful. And then I could see those Greek peoples that I've spoke with and preached for in Greece and they, when they praise, they praise loud. Doxa, 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 glory, glory, glory. And then the Asian people I've worshipped with and then I just had this mental glimpse of myself and I thought, Man, there's going to be a white man like this going, Lord, you're so good. You're just so good. I am going to look so shallow compared to the people of the world. It's going to be a wonderful time when we get to heaven. Can we give him a hand of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's Koinonia. We're going to participate. We're going to participate in the glory of God. Well, let's stand together. Let's greet one another and make our Koinonia complete this morning.
I bet you never dreamed you'd come hear country music at church this morning. I want to do a little survey and see how many of you have read your email from time to time. If somebody offered you a penny or a million dollars today, which would you take? How many of you take the penny? How many of you take the million? Well, that's not fair. You were in the first service. How many of you take the million dollars? Oh, several of you. Well, there was this little email that went around, and uh, I thought it was quite interesting and kind of helps with today's thought and what we're going to look at. If I had a million dollars, Megan, are you here, sweetheart? If you got a K car, I'd kick that boy out. How many of you know what a K car is? How many of you don't know what a K car is? You know what a K car is. Those that don't know, you're the babies in the congregation. <laughs> if I had a million dollars, my kids have asked me that question over and over. Dad, if you got a million dollars, what would you do with it? And I've thought, you know, we'd tithe, we'd give to missions. I've thought about a, how we can build clinics. As a matter of fact, I got a request this week and we're praying about it and I'll be sharing it with our board and then sharing it with you. We got a request to come in and build a church and clinic and school, and we can do that for about ten to twelve thousand dollars, and that's nothing, you know, for us. We can do that. And as I was thinking about what could we do with a million dollars, a lot of good things. A lot of times, when people win the lottery, according to what I've read, they win the lottery. Tell them I'll call back. Just, I'll, I'll call back real quick. But when we get the, the results of what happens when people win the lottery, it ruins their lives from what we hear. Find out that all of a sudden they've got friends that show up wanting money. That puts pressure on them. They've got family members showing up that they didn't even know what they were related to. Sometimes we find out that marriages split up. People have all kinds of problems. But we often say, as the article said, I wouldn't do that. If suddenly I got a million dollars, this is what I would do. But if we look at the penny for just a moment, it's a little bit torn here. Because there are sayings like, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. You know, go for the secure thing, go for the thing you can trust. And let's just say your buddy got a million dollars and you took the penny. Well, if you'll throw that slide up for me. On day one, you get a penny, but on day 16, while your buddy has been buying a car, your buddy has been taking exotic vacations, your buddy, I had to lean over and ask Becky who John Merrick was, the elephant man. I, I, as I listened to that, you've only got $327.68. And it's very hard for Americans to take the long view, to play the long game, to look long term. We're just so used to having good things right now. We're so used to what we want to happen, happening now. I mean, we live, just us common folk, we live the way kings and queens used to live. We set our temperature in the house the way we want it. We 
put our food in the microwave and we expect a healthy, nutritious meal. You're not going to get it, but you expect a healthy, nutritious meal come out of the microwave. Matter of fact, I haven't tried it. You know, Becky's a marvelous cook, but now they deliver meals to your door. Just, you just chop them up, cook them, and in a few minutes you've got a ready-made meal, homemade. It's hard for us to take the long view, but if you took the long view, put up the next slide, please. 26 days later, you've got $335,000. And then on day 31, while your buddy took the short-term view, he has a million dollars, you have $10 million. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? It comes from just taking the long view. I didn't run the math. My calculator won't go that high. But what would happen if we kept doubling that for 60 days, for 90 days? What would happen if we did that over a life term? And if it's hard for Americans to take the long-term view and play the long game, it's even more challenging for us to take an eternal perspective. And I want to talk to you this morning about accepting Jesus' challenge. Years ago, there was a corporation called Charter Medical Corporation. It head, was headquartered in Macon, Georgia. In 1987, they turned down $1.7 billion for the company. The CFO of that company became a friend of mine did a lot of tutoring and mentoring. Anytime I was with those guys, I was in some tall, tall cotton. Cotton I knew I'd never be able to live in. But I remember sitting in the Charter Medical Tower, and I asked the CFO of the company, I never actually got to meet Mr. Fickling, but I asked him, I said, what's the secret? And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a $1 bill. He said, the secret is a dollar. He said, nobody appreciates the value of a dollar anymore. And he said, because of a dollar, Charter Medical is reaching around the world, Switzerland, Holland, the United States, South America. Charter Medical is helping people with psychiatric problems around the world because Mr. Fickling understands the power of a dollar. And this morning, I want you and me to understand the power of a dollar. I can't understand a billion dollars. I can't understand that much money. I can't even begin to fathom what that's like. But I can understand the value of a dollar. If I was being told, don't underestimate it, then one of the things that I took from that as we talked was, then my little bit makes a difference. My little bit makes a huge difference when it comes to eternity. And suddenly, in 1987, as I was being given a lesson in economics like I would have never gotten in college, as I got to go and have coffee and have lunch in the executive suite, and people who believed in enough when I pastored a church that had split five times and was going through bankruptcy, and God turned that church around 
and build a healthy church in the second largest day school in middle Georgia. Took that little church and their missions giving began to make a difference. And we began to see what the power of a dollar could do for eternity. In my studies, and those who mentored me in these subjects, like Larry Briquette, it turns out that money was Jesus' third most talked about topic. It's the topic that Jesus talked about quite a bit, taught us on quite a bit. And the passage I'm going to have you to stand out of respect for the word of the Lord and read with me this morning is at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, even my unbelieving friends can often quote the Sermon on the Mount to me because people are very familiar with Jesus' teachings. And then he comes, and you need to just get the context of this scripture passage we're going to read. It's a brief passage. But it comes as he sums up the Beatitudes. It comes as he sums up how we love God and love each other. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Now understand, when he's talking here, he's not saying don't use your money on earth. He's saying there is an earthly purpose for part of your money. Instead, he says, store your treasures in heaven. That's eternity. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rusts cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, there is an eternal purpose for part of your money as well. The Bible says that wherever your treasure is, if your treasure is in eternity, if your treasure is in heaven, if your treasure is in the things of God, there will your heart be also. So Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to help every single one of us understand not even the value of a dollar, but the value of a penny. Help us to understand how our little becomes much. God, help us to never underestimate. Lord, the person who has only a widow's might to give, but help us to treasure, to appreciate, to value, and to encourage each and every one who participates in the eternal work of God. Because somewhere in this world, there are people's lives that are being changed because people in this congregation give. And I ask you that this morning you would touch us and there would be this intrinsic sense in our heart. There's koinonia. When I give, I participate in the work of God around the world. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning and grab a pen because I got a lot to cover and I want to give it all to you this morning. Not a truckload, but a half a truckload, okay? First of all, money is a tool. That's all it is. Money is a tool. Money by itself is immoral. It's, it's not moral or immoral. It's just amoral. It's what you choose to do with your money. Your money can be used for good or it can be used for bad. It's what you do with your money that really matters. The second thing is money is a test. 
Jesus over and over helps us to see that how money is a test of our priorities. It's a test of our maturity. Money is that test of what really matters in my life. If I use all of my money for today's needs, then I am showing quite a bit of immaturity in my life. But if I use my money and think about the future, and if I use the money God has blessed me with and think about eternity, then I'm revealing the maturity that takes place in a passionate follower of Christ's life. Our second son, mine and Becky's second son, Christopher, recently wrote me a letter asking for a letter, an email, and asking me, he says, Dad, I need some advice. I need some guidance as I begin to think about the future, about disability insurance and life insurance. Dad, as I think about investments and things of this nature, and, you know, as Chris has built his home and remodeled his home and is thinking, you know, wants to get married and have a family, I... First of all, I wrote him back and told him how grateful his mother and I were that he thought like this, how grateful we were for the maturity that he was demonstrating, that he was not spending and using all of his money at one time, but he was thinking about the future. How happy we were that he had chose to stay out of debt and not use credit cards, but to, to, to work aggressively at being a good steward. I reminded him in my response to him, Christopher, Remember, it was God's people who supported our family as I preached the gospel. It was God's people who supported you while you were on the mission field. Never forget what God is doing through your local church and never forget missions. And he's got his uncle Philip who is a financial genius. Philip who has served as CFOs for some of the largest companies in the world. He's got his uncle Philip helping to guide him and to lead him and direct him. I reminded him of his Uncle Philip and how when his Uncle Philip was just a 16-year-old boy, he crossed the line in our youth group and we discipled him and I loved him and believed him. He came from a family totally unlike the man he has become. He came from a dysfunctional family, a hurting family, a broken family, an indebted family. A dad who couldn't pay his bills or wouldn't pay his bills. Philip came from that family and he just became a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And when he came to me and says, can I marry Sherry? What do you think? Becky's sister. I said, well, first of all, you need to talk to her dad. But if you're asking me to put in a good word for you, buddy, I'll give you the DC stamp of approval. You know, we'll get right in there. And he's always made us proud. And so I'm grateful for the family connections that we have because there's so many in my family, my dad and others, who passed the test with money. But money is also a trust. When God gives you finances, God is trusting you with those finances. He's trusting you as a passionate follower of Christ to use money the way He said to use money, to use your finances in the way He said to use your finances, to manage your, not only your finances, but your home, your marriage, your career. God is trusting you to manage it all for His glory and honor. When I buy food, and I use some of our pennies, mine and Becky's pennies, to buy food, we meet a need for today. Whenever we pay a bill, we meet a need for today. Whenever you pay your rent or your mortgage, you, you meet a need for today. But every time that I tithe or I give to missions, or that you tithe or give to missions, with your tithe is $10 a week or $25 a week or $500 a week, whatever you tithe, when you tithe, you are managing your money the way God says to 
And when you give to a church like Woodland and many other good churches in our community, you're not only giving to support the ministries here, but you're feeding children around the world. You're building churches. You're building clinics. You're building Bible colleges. You're training pastors. You're raising up pastors. You're doing church planting in the United States. You're taking and you're equipping those around the world. You're investing in teenagers and children. You're investing in the inner city of Detroit and in our community as well. Whenever we give, our giving makes a difference for the glory of God. And what you're doing is helping others to mature and become passionate followers of Christ because you believe in eternity. Now, I wrote a sentence that I have in your outline. I enjoy giving consistently because of the eternal change that it's making in other people's lives. And the key word there is consistently. I enjoy giving consistently because I can't give a million dollars today or $100,000 today, but when I give consistently, it's amazing what my giving does. It's a principle that happens, and a lot of people fall into the trap of thinking, well, I I can't make a difference because I'm not a millionaire. I can't make a difference because I can't write a large check. But just think with me for a moment. If you're someone that has lived in debt, if you're someone that's lived without any margins in your life, and you can barely pay your bills, and you're getting past due notices, and you're getting collection notices, if suddenly you were begin to give to God today $10 a week in a year, you would have done something you never dreamed you did could do, and that was give over $500 to God, because a little bit goes a long way when you put God first. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning. And what God tells us is that every penny that is consistently given is blessed throughout eternity. You see, becoming more generous is a mark of my growth in Jesus Christ. Becoming more generous is a mark of my maturity as a passionate follower of Christ. Becoming more generous is a mark of understanding that somehow or another God meets and supplies all of my needs in Christ. Now, I have to be honest with you this morning as I shared with the first service. It was a part of me did not want to preach this message because right now, even in our community, I've been asked, Pastor Clanton, what do you think about this evangelist that needs $54 million to buy a new jet to add to his fleet? When those people ask me these questions, I go, it's okay to have that question. As a matter of fact, that's a good question to ask because I've looked. I've been in these small, tiny places in the world. You cannot land a Gulfstream jet in some of the places I've been in South America and Latin America and Africa. You can't land a Gulfstream jet in some of the places I've been in Asia, the neediest places in the world. I don't know why he needs the $54 million jet as I looked at his itinerary to go to Chicago and to go to Detroit and go to Los Angeles in Seattle and to go to Atlanta, Georgia. Those aren't the places that need $54 million jets. The people who need the gospel are those unteached people in the rest of the world. But what I do ask people, it's okay to have those questions, but when's the last time you saw an article written in the newspaper, whether it's in the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News, whether it's in the Down River Papers, when's the last time you've seen an article about the churches digging wells, about the churches building orphanages, about the churches feeding hungry children? When's the last time you saw the article about the churches training pastors and healing the sick? When's the last time you read about those ministries we have that feed Muslim families that have been dispersed? When's the last time you read an article about a missionary from Michigan, from Sterling Heights, 
Baptist from the Assemblies of God who recently gave his life simply by trying to serve the Muslim people in Sudan. You don't read those kind of articles because, as I say to my friends, if you believed in the devil, if you believed in the personification of evil, if you believed that there was someone who wanted to denigrate and disparage the Word of God, if you believed in him, you would know he wants the evangelist with the big hair and the big mansion to be talked about his $54 million jet. But he doesn't want the everyday ordinary people like you and me who give the little we have to make an eternal difference for the glory of God in other people's lives. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's okay to have those thoughts. I understand when we're surrounded by that. But if you're willing, especially if you're visiting with us today, if you're willing, and if you'll have an open mind, I want to address some of those issues. And that's why I didn't back down from preaching this, mission, this message today. When I give a portion of what I have for eternity, I'm making a difference for eternity. And that's what we talked about last week, and that's what we're talking about today. Here's how it works. Number one, God will bless my generosity. God will bless my generosity. I believe that. God will bless my generosity. God is faithful. God is good. It helps me to remember at those times when we give, and it may be painful, it helps me to remember God is faithful and blesses the generosity of His people. Tomorrow morning, when I wake up, the Lord willing, when you wake up, the Lord willing, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll have the breath of life. I'll breathe. I'll lay there with my head on my pillow for just a moment, and I'll go, God, I thank you for the gift of life. I will. I'll do, say just those very words. I thank you for the breath of life. I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I thank you, Lord, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And today, Lord, I'm asking you, help me to love you better than I loved you yesterday. Help me to serve you better than I served you yesterday. Help me to love Becky and our children. Help me to prepare and to study God. Help me to use this day. And when as I get out of the bed and I plant my feet on the floor, suddenly my body will go to work. My body will walk to the bathroom. What happens there is none of your business, but then I'll brush my teeth and I'll, I'll rinse my mouth and, and I'll come downstairs and I'll make and drink three cups of coffee. And then suddenly my intelligence begins to work after those three cups of coffee. And I'll begin to think about my day and what I've got to do. And I'll, I'll look at my, my Bible and I'll journal and I'll pray. And suddenly things start popping and clicking. And then I, I go about and you go about your day and somewhere in doing our work, it is God that gives us the power, the Bible says. It is God that gives us the power to create wealth. Somewhere during that time, I'm going to get a few pennies. I'm going to earn a paycheck. And then I'm going to use part of it for today's needs. And then I'm going to use part of it for eternity. That's called the circle of God's blessings. And those of you that have experienced severe health setbacks, those of you that have had family members that have experienced a stroke or something that's happened in their life, and they can no longer get up and do the things that you and I take for granted every day because God has been kind to us, you see the suffering they go through. You see, or some of you remember during the recession what it was like when there was no work and you struggle to find work, and we give God thanks for those blessings in our lives. Can you say amen? Acts 20 and verse 35 says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Underline that phrase in your outline this morning. You should remember. Go ahead, just underline it or circle it right now. And then once you got it underlined, look back up at me. 
Now look at your neighbor and say, you need to remember this. Now look at your pastor and say, pastor, you need to remember this. Now say, pastor, you need to preach on this more often. (laughs) Woo, see, now I've got a mandate. (laughs) You should remember this. Think about it. Ponder it. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Read them with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what does it mean to be blessed? I've preached on that several times before, so I I won't bore you by going back through all of that. But if, if you don't know, then you need to get those messages offline. But first of all, to be blessed, there's something intrinsically, uh, something intrinsic about being blessed. We are created in the image of God. We are created in God's image. And God is a giver. One of the first verses that you memorized was, for God so loved the world he gave. God loves to give. It is contrary to our nature to be hoarders. It is contrary to our nature to be stingy if we've been born again. It is contrary to our nature to want to hold it. There's something about us. You know that when you give, you know that when you bless others, there's something that feels good about it. But there's also an extrinsic blessing that when you give, God blesses you. God adds a double blessing to what you give. I don't know how he does that. I've often tried to figure that out, think that through. I have plotted it out on an Excel sheet. I have done those little dots that you can can convert into an Excel sheet, and I don't know how you do it. Andy and Christina Birch, who went to church here, and Andy gave his heart to Christ here, and used to come over to my house and ransack my refrigerator. I told him one night, I said, Andy, you're not my son. He goes, oh, yes, I am. And he would just come in and make himself at home, and we talked about the Lord, and today he's a mathematics professor at uh, Arizona State University. I'm so proud of Andy and Christina. She was a math professor until they had children, and she stayed home to take care of the children they had. But one of the things that we tried to figure out, how does God do what he does? You You can't put it in a scientific formula. I can't tell you how he does. All I can tell you is that when I put God first, somehow or another, the 90% goes further than 100% went. That's a key principle. God blesses us when we're in debt, when we give to him. We have a couple who have moved to Ohio. I have permission to share their story. But when they gave their hearts to Christ here at Woodland, they were a mess. Drugs, things had messed up their lives. They were in serious problems. I put them with one of the men in our church who gave them financial counseling. Pastor Rick began to counsel with them. I began to meet with them and do discipleship. I'm going to tell you there were times, Rick, we were ready to give up on them. They were a hard case. There were some difficult times. There were some difficult situations. But I remember one time sitting in my office, they said, Pastor, we can't tithe. We don't have enough money to pay our bills. And I felt something rise up within me that was a confidence in God's Word and I said, listen to me, you will never get out of debt unless you put your priorities straight. God has to be first. And God is my witness. They could not even have a checking account at a local bank because they had handled their finances so poorly. Somehow or another, God got a hold of their hearts. They began to tithe. They bought their tithe by every single week in cash when he got paid. I told him, I said, just give it to church. You don't have to make a special trip here. You, you can't afford the gas. He goes, no, pastor, we want to bring it before we pay anything else because it may get spent because there are so many needs. And week after week, we accepted their tithes. Their credit has been repaired. They've just bought their first home. They are doing good. God has 
done a marvelous work in their lives. You cannot outgive God. Give the Lord a hand of praise. The real issue is priorities. The real issue is what comes first in your life. If you want God's blessing in your marriage, you put God first in your life. If you want God's blessings in your children, you put God first in your life. You don't bring your children to church and expect Pastor Corey or Pastor Mike to somehow or another do what you're supposed to do during the week. But as you gather your children and you have devotions and quiet time and you pray with them, something happens and your children mature and grow. Something happens when you gather with us for prayer on Saturday nights. I know, I go into ICU units almost every week with panicked people, people who don't pray. But when I go into those ICU units with people who have prayed, there is a peace and there is a calmness. The doctors tell them there's no hope. The nurses tell them there's no hope. Sometimes they want them to sign the papers. But when you walk in that ICU room, as we recently did with Mary Grace Valulud, and people who have been faithful in prayer, people who know God, there is a peace in that ICU unit that passes understanding because we have been in touch with the Lord. When you keep God first in your life, you just expect God to work in your life. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? I got some apples here that I want to use as an illustration this morning. In this bowl, there are 10 bowls. We're going to represent this, somebody that gets paid once a week. This represents the tithe off that bowl of apples. And having been a pastor, having been someone that's walked where so many other people have walked, let me tell you what often happens to the tithe. God, we need some new tires on the car this week. You're going to have to be patient. God, we haven't been on a vacation in a long time. That's good. And I'm hungry. God, it's baseball season and the kids need cleats and they've got to have new uniforms. God, the air conditioner went out. I'm so glad our new cameras aren't working yet. <laughs> and you keep going, eating the tithe. And then you come to church, and you take the core, and you sing, at the cross I bow my knee, where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. You tore the grave. You tore the veil and you lay your core down at the foot of the cross because somehow or another you failed to recognize that God will bless what you give Him and you give Him the core rather than giving Him what He asked for. And that's the tithe. And that 90% that if you would have given it to God it would go a lot further Steve somehow another God blesses that 90% but Steve you still got a bunch of apples left over right here I mean you got a lot of apples 
Matter of fact, you should take one of these apples and put it into a savings account. You could still got a lot of apples here. You could take one of these apples and put it into, uh, 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 let's just say, a, a college fund for your kid. You still got apples here. If you manage right, God will make this go further. Dean? You still got a lot of apples, Dean. God will bless the 90% and make it go further. Aaron? Good job. Good catch. You still got a lot of apples. Pastor Rick? Give him a hand. But now let me show you something. That 10% may not look like much. But over the course of a month, this is what you've done for God. Whatever that 10% is for you, this is what you've done for God. And this little bit that you thought, what can God do with this? This little bit becomes much as it's invested for eternity. My first trip to Kenya, I stood beside a water well that my dad had built outside of Kisumu. And I stood there looking at that water well and this big cement cistern that 50 years later was still giving water to the people of Kenya. Because that little bit, when I talked to him, he said, son, it was nothing. It was just a little bit. Your giving makes an eternal difference in the lives of people. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning for that? That's why Jesus says, Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Maybe you're afraid this morning. Maybe you're like the couple that I talked about. You're afraid to give. And maybe you're just saying to me, Pastor, you you just don't understand. I I would say to you what I said to the couple. You'll never get out of debt until you put God first. But if you're too afraid, and I don't mean that in a derogatory. If you're too afraid to give the 10%, start with 5%. The important thing is start somewhere and then automate your giving. That's the second thing. Automate your giving. Because we automate what's important in our lives. And that way you you don't think about it anymore. Would you hand me a tithing envelope right there in front of you? You see, on your envelope right here, every Sunday, when you fill these out, you you can give by debit or credit card and just automate it where it comes out. There are a number of people in our church who do this. And your account number and all of that is secure with us. And you just sign it and put it in. And And then it it just comes through. But we automate our insurance. We automate our utilities. We automate our mortgage payments. How many of you have Netflix? Can I see your hand? I'm not judging you. How many of you have Netflix? Sure you do. How many of you binge on Netflix? I will judge that. Stop. (laughs) You know, you got Netflix. You automate Netflix. We believe in automation in our society today. 
And so if you set it up and if you, if you give that way, then suddenly it just becomes something that happens regularly. I would start, if you're afraid to tithe, I would start with $25. You say, Pastor, where did you get $25 from? Because I drove over to McDonald's this week and I looked to see what a family of four, what it would cost them to eat at McDonald's. And when I went in and asked them, they said, well, a family of four can eat for between $20 and $25. And I said, well, my church eats a lot, so they'll eat $25 worth right here. You could start with $25 a week and that would make a difference. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, on the first day of each week or the first day of your pay period, it may be bi-monthly or once a month, on the first day of each pay period, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Remember this. Underline that in your outline. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. If you don't want to give this morning, don't give. I don't say that with any malice. I don't say that sarcastically. I say that with all the sincerity I know how to muster. God wants you to be joyful in your giving. God loves a cheerful giver. I will never beg you for money. I've never begged you for money. But I will tell you what I have told you time and time again. God loves cheerful givers. And if you start bringing to Christ something weekly like this, and you lay this at the foot of the cross, not the core of what you've had, then God says, and I don't know how he does it. I'm just being honest with you. God says, I will open the windows of heaven. I don't know how big the windows of heaven are. I don't know how expansive they are. But I know one thing. Heaven is bigger than eternity. God's windows are bigger than my windows. God's windows are bigger than Microsoft's windows. God's windows are bigger than Apple's windows. God's windows are eternal. And God says, I will shove them open and I will pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. If you believe that, say praise the Lord this morning. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7 says, <clears throat> Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Circle that word excel. You see, the most mature believers are those who excel at being consistent. Now, I was reading an article on health the other day, and I've got apple all up in my gums right now. I was reading an article on health the other day. There was a statement in that article that really shocked me. It said to get the maximum benefit from exercise and diet, you got to do it every day. In other words, you got to do it consistently. Now. I am real bad about on the Sabbath believing, it's not true, but I believe it, that there are no calories and no cholesterol on the Sabbath. <laughs> and so, so on the Sabbath, oh my goodness, I sin boldly. I sin boldly, I enjoy it. And so six days a week I'm hoping is going to work. Because I said, Lord, 
I want to come happy. And if I eat fried chicken and banana pudding on Sunday, I'm going to be a happy man no matter what happens for the rest of the week. You see, it's consistency that matters. And I want to say this because it's true. Even if you don't see a tangible blessing, you keep giving. Remember the penny. On day 16, it was only worth $300. But if you consistently give, the eternal difference will happen. And then finally this morning, I celebrate God when I'm generous. I celebrate who He is. I, I magnify God. When I give my tithe in secret, when I give in secret, whenever I do what I do, I celebrate God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 with me this morning. This most generous God, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away. Thank you which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Now circle the word generous, this most generous God, and then circle the word generous again where it says you can be generous. I spent five years preaching in a part of the world. I didn't live there, but I was down there every other month. By release of our district and commissioning. And when I started preaching in this southern cone of a nation where there were no evangelical churches at all, one of the things that I taught on was tithing. And every Sunday, Mark Triplett and I, we go to these several little church plants that we were planting. We would leave each church plant with chickens, eggs. We would leave with corn. We even got a pig one time. We was always so afraid they were going to die before we could get to where we're going to, what we we're going to do with them. This is the way people tithed. They were poor. They were dirty. We would take them to an orphanage. We would give the chickens. We gave the little pig. They grew that pig up. And we give them to the orphanage and it blessed the orphanage. It blessed those people. I spent five years there. Mark and I stay in close touch with each other. We watch God totally transform people out of the occult, out of witchcraft. We watch God transform people who suddenly begin to prosper, who suddenly got jobs when there were no jobs, built businesses that had no businesses. I first learned about micro-lending during that time. And since then, we've helped with that in Asia. During that time, I watched God totally revolutionize people. And then I listened to some stuff suit from a university go, well, it works in America because of capitalism, but it won't work in the third nations, third world nations. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. You don't have to give a penny. 
God's word is not a capitalist word. God's word is an eternal word and it will work anywhere in the world that it is honored. It will work anywhere in the world where it is honored. You see, God, God somehow or another takes it and he multiplies it. Who can say how Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves? But he did it. Who can say how Jesus put eyes in the head of a man? But he did it. Who can say how in the name of Jesus a lame man who had never walked suddenly not only stood up, but went walking and leaping and praising God. But faith in the name of Jesus did it. Who can say how God took the water and turned it into wine, but he did it. And the key to making a difference is not looking at your little bit. It's looking at whose hands that you put it in. And when you put it in God's hand, the impossible becomes possible. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? Well, before I pray and we receive our offering, there's just one more thing I want you to know. I've never, ever, ever met a man or a woman who regretted tithing. I never, ever, ever met a man or a woman who regretted being generous. Never. But I have seen and met many people who've regretted living selfishly because they're so alone in this world. For those of you that are guests today, please don't think that this is a way of raising a budget. Please don't think this is a way of raising a paycheck. I haven't accepted a raise in over 10 years from this congregation. We approve a budget, we operate within that budget every year. I want you to know I'm preaching this because I not only believe it's God's Word, but the members of this congregation, I want to affirm for their faithful generosity, you are making a difference around the world. You are changing people's lives because you put God first. And if you're not, then my challenge to you today is start somewhere. Even if it's $10 a week, start somewhere and put something at the foot of the cross that Jesus can bless. Can you say amen? amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Ushers, you can come on down to the front. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I invite you to put your faith and trust in Him with me this morning. Just pray quietly like this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for giving it all for me. Thank you for giving your body and your blood so that my sins could be forgiven. Thank you for your resurrection that I have new life in Christ as I confess your name. I don't understand it all, but I commit my life to you 
as much as I know how. And I ask you to make me a brand new person in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.